John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. In the previous chapter, we saw how Jesus was crucified on the cross, that he truly died, and that he gave his life, laid down his life for his friends, for the sheep, that he poured himself out as a sacrifice that we might be washed and cleansed, that we might be forgiven. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he said there as he died, it is finished. This was the work that he had come to do. And he died. He was also buried. His body was taken care of. It was wrapped. There were spices. They put him in a grave somewhat hastily because the Sabbath was approaching and on the Sabbath they rested. And so chapter 20 picks up with the beginning of that next day, the first day of the week. So John chapter 20 verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she, looked to, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you for the resurrection of your Son, and we ask that you would bless this reading and preaching of your word, that we might rejoice and be encouraged 
uh, by uh, this truth, by this event, by this good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen from the dead. Uh, He is risen indeed. He rose from the dead on that day, on that first day of the week, the third day since his death, and he has continued to be risen, alive, ever since. This passage speaks of that resurrection, the morning of that first day of the week. And it's it's unfolded piece by piece. I think that's something when you look at how John speaks of the resurrection, it happens piece by piece. First, they notice the empty tomb. Then they notice the linen cloths. Then they notice the face cloth. Then they notice, you know, it's step by step. More and more, they discover that Jesus is risen until finally they see him. Mary Magdalene sees him at the end of the passage. Not going to be the last appearance in the Gospel of John but that's as far as we'll go today. Uh, John Calvin, uh, commenting on this passage, says, As the resurrection of Christ is the most important article of our faith, and without it the hope of eternal life is extinguished, for this reason the evangelists are the more careful to prove it, as John here collects many proofs in order to assure us that Christ is risen from the dead. The one who confesses that Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead uh, will be saved. That's what Paul writes in, in Romans. The resurrection is important. The resurrection is the vindication of Christ to see God's declaration that it truly was finished, that Christ had paid the price of sin, that he is who he said he was. And so it is the most important article of our faith in that sense. Uh, We, of course, can think of many other very important articles of our faith, but this one is a key hinge, which is important to believe, uh, to uh, be convinced of. And the gospel writers and the gospel, the apostles in the book of Acts, they all include this point that not only was Jesus crucified and was, was more well known to begin with but also that he rose from the dead there's no hope without it so first let's look at what Mary Magdalene Simon Peter and John saw at the tomb what did they see secondly whom Mary Magdalene met at the tomb who did she meet and then finally uh, the meaning of this resurrection so first what did these people find at the tomb remember this tomb was hewed in the rock was in this garden that was near the cross and mary magdalene uh, was there she was there early that morning in fact at least when she set out it was dark Uh, the gospel writers will vary in the way they explain it, but it was in that part of the day where it's, it's dark and it's just barely getting light. And you could describe it as being toward the dawn, being the dawn, still dark. And she, as she arrives there, 
This is Mary Magdalene. Uh, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 8 that she had followed Jesus after he had cast seven demons from her. She had been oppressed and possessed by seven demons. That was the misery that Christ had delivered her from. That he had taken her out of the dominion of the devil and brought her into his kingdom. And she had followed him in his earthly ministry. One of those women who also followed him, though she wasn't an apostle, but yet she was a true disciple of Christ. And we learned from the Gospel of John, at least, that, uh, and other Gospels too, that she was there at the cross. That she was one of the women who witnessed the crucifixion. In fact, Mark adds that she had seen where they had laid Jesus. She took note. Where did they put the body? He, she knew where the tomb was. That's one reason she's able to go there on the first day of the week. And so Mary Magdalene rose while it was still dark to go and, and add spices to, uh, to the dead Lord. She did not think that he was risen. She thought that she was dead, but she would do this honor for him. But she rose before the break of day to honor her dead Lord. How much more should we be eager and diligent to seek out and to honor our risen Lord? We have all the more reason. Mary Magdalene, though it seemed like all their hopes were crushed, and yet she was devoted to her Lord nonetheless and rose before the break of day. How much more reason do we have to be eager to seek the Lord and to honor and worship the Lord Jesus. He is risen. The next person who comes is Simon Peter. After she tells him what she saw, Simon, who's Simon Peter? Simon Peter was one of the apostles, and he was the one who had struck out with his sword, who had denied Christ three times who saw his Lord not the one yet to be a king, to destroy his enemies, but rather, perhaps contrary to some of his expectations, was crucified uh, shamefully on, on the cross. And yet when he hears that his grave is empty, he runs to the tomb. Now he doesn't run as fast as the other disciple, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Who is that? That is John. This phrase, the one whom Jesus loved, appears several times in this gospel, and it's connected in chapter 21 with the author of the book. And as one of the people listed in verse 2 of uh, chapter 21. So not only would we know it from simply the title, the gospel according to John, uh, which goes back as early as we have this gospel, but it also uh, goes to that list of the, the several disciples that were in the boat. And as we uh, narrow down the list, it becomes evident that this is John the Apostle. Uh, John, this other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, he's the one writing the gospel. I think that's why he calls this disciple the one whom Jesus loved, because he's writing it personally, that Jesus loved me. And this disciple, whom Jesus loved, this disciple ran to the tomb as well. He's not saying that Jesus didn't love the other disciples, but he's writing it from the perspective of the one who had experienced this love. That he was a disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
He had reclined on Jesus at the Last Supper. He had been at the cross. He had received Jesus' mother to his home. And now he ran to the tomb and even ran faster than Peter. And he got there uh, first. And that's a, a note of an eyewitness, too. Uh, someone who was there would remember you know, who got to the tomb first. Now, what did these people find? The tomb was empty. That's what Mary Magdalene found. She found that the tomb was empty. Now, it mentions just Mary Magdalene, but there is a hint in this text that there was other women with her, because when she goes to the disciples, she doesn't say, I don't know where he is. Uh, She says, we. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Uh, from the other Gospels, we know that there were other women with her as well. But uh, they went, and what did they find? Uh, what John tells us here is that they found that the tomb was empty. And that is the first thing we notice. Where did the body go? Was Jesus moved, or was Jesus risen? Well, you know, risen is the right answer, and we find that as we go further. What did Peter find? What did John find? Well, John got to the tomb first, and he looked in, but he didn't step into the tomb. He just looked through the doorway, and what did he see? He saw linen cloths that had been uh, around the dead body of Jesus. Uh, The grave clothes, and he saw those. Now, why, if they moved the body, would they leave the linen cloths? Why would they strip the body simply to move his body. This was an indication that Jesus had risen. Even when Lazarus rose from the dead, he still had the grave cloths on. Other people had to help him out of them. But this Lord Jesus arose and had left the cloths there. If they were going to simply rebury him, they would have not taken them off. And if Jesus had been stolen his body stolen, they wouldn't have taken the time to take these cloths off and leave it as evidence. Um, They would simply try to get out of there as soon as they could, but the cloths were there. And then Peter steps in. Though Peter didn't get there first, he was bold enough to go into the tomb. And he went into the tomb and he found also the face cloth. Not only the face cloth, it wasn't just stashed there, but it was by itself and also folded, like intentionally that someone had taken the time to fold the cloth and set it there. Another indication that Jesus was risen from the dead. Now, they did not understand from Scripture that he was to rise again. They should have. Jesus had even told them that he would raise up the temple after it was destroyed, speaking of his own body. Uh, He had told them of the resurrection. God had told them in, in the prophecies But they didn't understand it yet. They weren't expecting to find a risen Lord. But the evidence led them to belief. The face cloth was there. John then entered. He saw and he believed. What did he believe? It says he saw and he believed. He believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. They had not understood scripture, but seeing the empty tomb, he did believe from that evidence. And then later they would understand from Scripture that this is the way it had to be. That this is the way, this was the plan from the beginning. 
But now he saw from the empty tomb itself that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so what Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, and John saw at the tomb was the tomb was empty, the cloths were there, the face cloths was there. Jesus, that body that had been buried, the same body that had been buried, was now risen. The Christian faith does not speak that merely that Jesus is alive, in the sense that he's alive in my heart and he makes me feel alive, well, no, we mean that the Christ who physically died, who was physically buried, that same Christ, that same body also rose from the tomb. That he is not merely alive, but he is risen. He who was once buried, now no longer to be under the dominion of death as he once was. Well, that's only part of the story. Next, we find that Mary Magdalene meets someone at the tomb. More than one person, in fact. While the disciples went back to their homes, Mary Magdalene continued to weep there by the tomb, and she looked into the tomb, and she didn't only see the grave cloths, she saw something more. She saw what? Two angels. Does that show that something unusual is happening? This wasn't just some Roman soldiers moving a body. She saw two angels sitting on either side of where her Lord had once laid. And then she turns around. She sees someone. Who does she think this person is at first? The gardener. She's in a garden. This must be the gardener. And so he asks, who are you seeking? And she says, she actually doesn't even say who she's seeking. She simply says, where did you move him? I I want to, to go and take care of his body. She still doesn't understand that he has risen from the dead. But then... He says, Mary, and as the true shepherd, the good shepherd called her, she recognized him. And she said, teacher, Rabboni, Uh, speaking, of course, in, in the Aramaic language. She was one of his sheep. She recognized his voice and she uh, was rejoiced to see him. She sought to hold fast to him. Apparently, because Jesus says to her, do not cling to me. We don't know how long he took to say, do not cling to me, if uh, she held fast. And then after a minute, he said, all right, there's more to be done. Uh, but But he would say, do not cling to me. I have a message for you. I haven't ascended to my father yet. I will be needing to do that. But I have a message. Go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. To touch Jesus was good to verify the resurrection. He'll tell Thomas later, look, see my hands, see my feet, put your finger here. I'm not a ghost. I'm truly alive. But they were not to cling to his physical presence because he would ascend to heaven. Blessed are those who would believe without touching as they did. Uh, He was not there simply to be physically present, but he would go to heaven and rule over all the earth. It was good that he would go away. He was risen, but he was not yet finished. And so Mary Magdalene not only saw from the evidence of the empty tomb that Jesus was risen from the dead, but she also then saw the Lord himself. She saw the Lord, and that's what what she tells the disciples next. 
I have seen the Lord. Later, not much later, about 50 days later, Peter would preach to the Jews in Pentecost, at Pentecost, and would say that this Lord in Christ whom you crucified, that this Jesus whom you crucified is Lord in Christ, and God has testified to this by raising him from the dead. Well, they were still there. They could have gone to that same tomb. And he even points out, you know, David's tomb is still here. David's body saw corruption, but the God's holy one, his body, did not stay in the grave long enough to see corruption. They could have gone and checked it out, but no, the tomb was empty. His body was missing because he had risen from the dead. Now, what was the meaning of this resurrection? Why was this important? Well, we could think of probably many things, but here's a few. First of all, it verifies those words that they heard Jesus say, that it is finished. Jesus had borne our sins and paid it all. Our sins were imputed to him, counted uh, as his, so that he would receive their penalty. And he had satisfied divine justice. He had paid the price. He had annihilated those sins. And so they were no longer to be held against him. He was free to go. His resurrection was his justification. Do you remember what justification is? The declaration of righteousness. The judge saying, you are innocent. You are righteous. There is no condemnation against you. You are free to go. Well, Christ was free to grow. Death could not hold him. There was no more condemnation against him. He had done away with it by his death, by his precious blood. And so he rose vindicated by the Spirit, as 1 Timothy 3.16 says. That same word vindicated is the word justified. And he rose for our justification, as Paul says in Romans 4. His justification is imputed to us. His righteousness is imputed to us. He was personally himself righteous. He had obeyed God even to death, death on a cross. The sins that were counted against him from us were done away with, and that righteousness then is imputed to us. He rose for our justification, that we might be received in God's sight as righteous, that our sins might be forgiven and not held against us. And so we are risen from condemnation into justification, into acceptance with God, into life. We have passed from death into life. So it was finished. The debt was paid. Justice was satisfied. The work of redemption was accomplished. Secondly, the resurrection means that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. As he said, he had power to lay down his life and power to raise it up again. Uh, That those words that he had said, which were so incredible that people wanted to stone him for blasphemy, those were true. What man raises himself from the dead? He had raised a few people from the dead, and that itself was uh, to verify that he was Christ, the Son of God. But more than that, he raised himself from the dead. Of course, it's ascribed to his father, to the spirit, to, but also to Jesus himself. God raised him from the, the dead, the triune God. His claims were proved. 
the greatest sign is here recorded so that you may believe. John says, I've recounted these things, these signs, so that you may believe. Just as John did when he came into the tomb. And that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and have eternal life through believing in his name. Jesus would describe his resurrection as the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was vindicated as a true prophet and therefore preached to Nineveh with power and conviction because he was spit out from the belly of the whale after being in there for three days and three nights, so Jesus was vindicated as a prophet, priest, and king, as the Son of God by coming out from death itself, out to the belly of Sheol, into life, life eternal, no longer under the dominion of death. So believe in Christ. Believe in him for justification. Believe in him as the Christ, the Savior. Jesus also, thirdly, is risen to ascend to the Father, to bring us to God. Maybe this isn't a separate point, but another way to say it, that Jesus is risen to ascend to the Father to bring us to God. He, he gave a message for those whom he called now his brothers. Who is his brothers? Was he just talking about his earthly brothers? No, because who does Mary go to? To his disciples. He was calling his disciples his brothers because his God was their God. His father was their father. And he was going to go to his father. And he has a message then for his brothers. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. In saying it this way, he doesn't say to our Father. He doesn't say to our God. He both distinguishes that he's God's Son in a special way, not the same way that we are, but that both he and we are our sons of God. That he is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, by eternal generation. He has always been the Son of God, of one substance with the Father. But we are sons of God made heirs of him uh, by grace, by the grace of adoption. Also, the Father is, is Christ God in the sense, according to his human nature, which he voluntarily uh, assumed at a point in time. And according to that, that God is his God, which is different from us. God is always uh, God to us and is our God by his grace, by his redemptive grace through Christ and so Jesus was not ashamed to call us brothers, and he was going to he, he rose to bring us to God, and so through him we have access to God, confidence to draw near to him in this new and living way through the flesh of Christ. And so being risen, uh, being lifted up, Christ draws people to himself and thus to the Father that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he sends the Spirit now that he has been glorified in great abundance and power and living waters, and he now intercedes for us with the Father, that we can have confidence that we have a high priest who is interceding on our behalf, that there is no limit, no expiration date on our acceptance with God, that all those who have Christ have the Father, uh, that all those who have Christ by faith have the Father and the Spirit and the Son. And so Jesus 
is risen. He is risen in a way that declares his glory, that he has declared the Son of God in power, and he is risen for you and me, for all those who call upon him, for your good, for my good, that he is risen and is therefore a matter of joy for us. Our Lord is risen from the dead. Let us praise him, our triumphant Savior. Join with me in prayer. O Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you for uh, becoming flesh and blood uh, that you might share in our nature and so raise us up out of death and doom and yet remaining God that you might deliver us and bring us to yourself to the Father and the Spirit that we might have eternal life to know the true God. We pray that you would continue to apply this redemption that you have purchased by your spirit, that you would work in our hearts, that we might more and more walk in newness of life and not in the old ways of death and trespasses and sins. We pray that you would fill us with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We pray this uh, to you, our Savior and our King. Amen. Thank you.